Hello everybody, good morning and welcome to today's episode of Healed and Whole Gospel Podcast and I'm your host Evangel Raphael. Today we'll be looking at God's Word and our theme for today's podcast is titled Calvary, a Rhapsody of God's Love. Calvary. A rhapsody of God's love and um, it's a series that would run through for a good number of weeks so today we'll just be um, introducing this subject I want you to know that the subject of God's love it's one subject that we really cannot overemphasize it is one subject that we cannot exhaust you know we would keep learning of God's love and would keep getting transformed you know we would would be changed experience through transformation as we look at God's word now I'll be reading from Romans 3 as a matter of fact that's just the verse we'll be considering for today's podcast. Let's pray briefly before we proceed. Dear Father, we thank you for your word because your word sets us free. Your word unveils to us your mind, your will, your intent, and the desires of your heart for us. Precious Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reach out to everyone who would stream this podcast. That your presence would overwhelm and would be with each one and that everyone will be healed by your word and everyone will be set free from whatever has kept them bound to the glory of your name in jesus name amen so we'll be looking at romans chapter 3 and i'm going to be reading from verse 9 romans chapter 3 verse 9 it says well then should we conclude that we Jews are better than others no not at all for we have already shown that all people whether Jews or Gentiles are under the power of sin verse 10 Romans chapter 3 verse 10 as the scriptures say no one is righteous not even one now you know one thing God's Word does is that it opens us up to see things as they really are the human mind can be easily biased the human mind can be easily deceived and manipulated and programmed to accept falsehood as reality But you see, God's word presents to us the truths concerning any matter. So you see, God is speaking to you today and letting you know that in the actual sense of it, ethnicity doesn't separate any man and makes any man superior to the others 
So for the fact that a person is a Jew doesn't automatically means the person is free from the power of sin. Paul lets us know that every man, Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. You must realize that there is such thing as the power of sin. And the whole world in Adam has been brought under the power of sin. The whole world has been brought under the power of sin. Sin now lords over the lives of people. Now, I want you to know that there are just two categories of people on the earth today. Yes, there are billions of persons on the face of the earth. There are lots of ethnic groups. There are lots of tribes. There are lots of tongues, languages, and dialects. But there are just two classes of people. Those who are identified in Adam and those who are identified in Christ Jesus. Now, by default, by birth, every man is born into Adam. Every man is identified in Adam. Adam is like the father of every human being living today. And so every person that is identified in Adam is under the power of sin, under the lordship of sin, under the control of sin. That means such persons have the sin nature and that nature of sin controls how they think. That nature of sin controls how they perceive things. That nature of sin controls how they live their life, controls their their, their lifestyle. That nature of sin becomes who they are, becomes who they are, becomes what they are. So the Bible says, every man, whether Jew or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. If you read further, it explains how this nature of sin expresses itself. One thing about the nature of any man or any living organism is that every living organism there is under the heavens exhibits characteristics and traits that amplify and showcases the nature they have inside. So the lion behaves the way he behaves because of the nature he has in him. He has in it rather. The, f- the female gender they have their features and their characteristics and the way they live and the way they are and it can be traced down to the female nature in them. It's not a masculine nature they have, it's a feminine nature. And so their experiences in life are unique to them. So every man who's in Adam, who's identified in Adam, has this nature of sin. So the Bible says in verse 11, it says no one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. That is how you know those who are identified in Adam. That is how you know those, you know, who who are still under this lordship of sin. It says, all have turned away, verse 12, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom, snake venom drips from their lips. 
Romans chapter 3 verse 14. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Romans 3 verse 15. They rush to commit murder. Romans 3 verse 16. Destruction and misery always follows them. Romans 3 verse 17. They don't know where to find peace. Romans 3 verse 18. They have no fear of God at all. I want you to know that this is simply these are simply expressions of the falling nature in the unregenerated man. When I say unregenerated man, I'm speaking of the man who is yet a sinner, the man who hasn't received the life of Christ, received the life of Christ, the man who hasn't placed his faith and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus for his redemption, for his forgiveness of sins, the man who hasn't received Jesus into his heart. It says they have no fear of God at all. They have no fear of God. I want you to know that every man who is in Adam lacks the fear of God. Every man who is not born again by nature you do not have the capacity to reverence God. By nature you're not programmed to honor the Lord. In your mind, in your imaginations, with your words, by your actions and in your conduct, you're not programmed that way. Because you are under the nature and the power of sin. So you cannot really of your own will please God. In fact, the desire to reverence God is not in you. The desire to reverence God is not in such persons. It is not in such persons. Romans 3 verse 19 says, Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. That means it's talking about the Jewish race. For its purpose, it tells us the purpose of the law, the Jewish law, the law of Moses. So the law of Moses has its purpose. Its purpose, the reason why it was given, the reason why it was given. It says, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. One thing the law does is that the law makes you see that really you cannot claim to be innocent. The law makes you see that you cannot say, oh, I am innocent. I'm not really a bad person. I'm not really a sinner. The law exposes your weakness to you. The law makes you see your wretchedness. The law, the law of Moses, I'm talking about the law of Moses now. I'm not talking about your constitutional law in the country where you belong to. I'm talking about the Mosaic law, the 613 laws Moses gave the generation of Israel, the the, the nation of Israel, the Mosaic law. It's, 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 it keeps people from having excuse. So you cannot claim to be a righteous person by your own standard and by your own effort and strength. The law makes you see that there is no good in you. And it's actually a beautiful thing. You see, 
we, we are in a generation where certain persons claim and believe that they have the power to stop certain habits. Certain persons believe that and certain persons preach to people. You know, there are lots of self-help, psychological lessons all over the internet. They now teach people how to stop how to stop, for instance, how to stop watching pornography. They teach you how to stop smoking cigarettes. They teach you how to stop humanizing. They teach you how to stop, you know. Man wants to teach man how to stop sinful habits. But you see, if you succeed to stop a particular sinful habit, sin will still find a way to spring forth in your life. Because so long as the nature of sin is in you, it must find expression. It's just like water. When water is flowing, no matter how you try to stop it, it will find another way to flow out. That's how the nature of sin is in the man that is not born again. No matter how you try to teach a sinful man to stop sin, sinning or to stop sinful acts, certain sinful acts, that nature of sin in him would still find expression through other means and other vices. I want you to know that the only way you can be free from sin is by the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why we're talking about Calvary. You know, Calvary is the place where God expresses his love to the world. Calvary is like the theater of God's love, where God plays out the deep love and affection he has for you. Calvary. When I'm talking about Calvary now, I'm not talking about the literal Golgotha because Calvary speaks of Golgotha, the place where Jesus was killed. I'm not talking about that literal geographical um, location. I'm talking about the sacrifice itself. The death of Jesus itself was his expression of his love and it is his expression of his love until tomorrow it will still be his expression of his love for you you know i i want you to know i want you to know i want you to hear this that god loves you passionately and god has seen your state the condition you are in he has seen your helpless state he has seen your helpless state he has seen that you are vulnerable to sin you're vulnerable to the desires of sin you know there are every every man that is in adam has that desire to sin that desire to want to practice evil practice sin it becomes a habit, a habitual conduct. Something you're used to, something you find pleasure in. And no matter how you try to explain it away, you cannot help yourself. You cannot help yourself. Love, what love does is that love saves people from hurt. Love saves, saves people from, from danger. Love reaches out to a man who cannot help himself and helps him. And that is exactly what God's love does. 
God's love reaches out to humanity in our fallen state and God's love changes us. So we've seen that one of the purposes of the law is that it, it makes you inexcusable. You cannot give an excuse as to, the, um, as to um, why you do not need the sacrifice of Jesus. You cannot claim to be righteous. No, 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 no. Now, let me, let me, let me read this Romans 3 verse 19 from another translation to help, us, to help our life, to help us understand. You know, Romans 3 verse 19, to help us understand what Paul, the apostle, is talking about. It's important to understand the purpose of the law. Romans 3 verse 19. Romans 3 verse 19. Now, we realize that everything the law says is addressed to those who are under its authority. Those who, when he says those who are under its authority, he's speaking about those to whom it was addressed. Those it was written unto. Those who were the actual persons the Lord was written unto. Those who were to those you no know, the Israelites were the ones the Lord was written unto. And so it was addressed to them. They were under its authority. They were under the obligation to keep it. And the law serves two purposes. It is for two reasons. So that everyone okay, sorry, say so that every excuse will be silenced with no boasting of innocence no boasting of innocence so no man can boast of his innocence that's one of the things the Lord does he stops anyone from making excuses that's what another translation says he stops anyone from making excuses so you cannot excuse yourself let's look at God's word translation Okay, it says, and no one can say thing. <laughs> the word, the, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord silences you. Now, what this means is that when you're when you're brought face to face with the law, the law of Moses, you see for yourself that you're actually a defaulter. So you cannot boast. You cannot boast before God. You cannot boast of how good you are. You cannot boast of your goodness. You have no merits. You have no legal justification. So that's one thing the Lord does. And secondly, to show that the entire world is guilty before God. The law reveals to you your helpless state. The law reveals to you the fact that what you deserve is judgment what you deserve is the penalty for sin what you deserve is to be treated the way sinners ought to be treated according to the prescription of the law romans chapter 3 verse 20 teaches us it says for no one can ever be made right with god by doing what the law commands so the essence of the law is not to save you you know, God's salvation plan was not executed when he gave the law. So, God's law, the law of Moses, 613 laws of Moses, we are not given with the intention of saving man or bringing salvation to mankind. It was given so that you would see for yourself and by yourself your actual state. I want you to know that the first step 
to 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 actually step out of you know the blindness that is in the world we live in a blind world men are blinded by the lies of satan the first way to step out of the blindness of the world and the lies of the devil is to agree with god that actually you cannot help yourself is to agree with god that actually you're a wretched sinner you are a wretched sinner and that is because you are under the power of sin you see your your conducts are simply bearing witness to the nature at work in you so when a sinner those who are in adam when a sinner lives a godless life lives without reference for god reverence for god rather reverence for god without honor for god he simply bearing his conduct are simply bearing witness to the fact that there is a law a law at work within that man and that law already sets that man against god that man already makes that man a rebel he already is in a rebellion against god he's already against god and so his conducts bear witness to that so the law makes you see that you are guilty before god verse 20 says for no one can ever be made right with god by doing what the work of man for the law simply shows us how sinful we are romans 3 20 the law simply shows us how sinful we are i want you to know that the truth of the matter is that the world is sinful the, the world we live in is 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 a world that is filled with men and women whose life have been ravaged by sin whose thoughts have been ravaged by sins by sin and whose conducts are governed by sin sin is like the boss bossing every every person you see around except those who have been identified in the lord jesus christ except those who have submitted to the lordship of jesus christ every man who hasn't submitted to the lordship of jesus is under the lordship of sin and every man who is under the lordship of sin is dead spiritually death is already reigning in him he's already a dead man when we say dead, we mean he's separated from God. He doesn't have the life of God in him. He doesn't have the nature of God in him. He doesn't have the desires of God at work in him. The love of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit is not in such persons. They are outside God. They are godless. But you see, the good news is that God did not leave us. In this our state of helplessness the good news is that God did not leave us to ourselves God did not just leave us with his law to leave us condemned and guilty you know the actual truth is that you are actually guilty before God you are guilty before God God is a judge of the world the righteous judge of the world and every man stands guilty no man can beat his chest and say i can stand before god free from guilt free from sin 
every man is guilty because every man is identified in Adam. So every man is worthy of death. Every man is worthy of condemnation. But the good news, the gospel, the good news from God to mankind is the is the news that God doesn't and hasn't chosen to he, God has not chosen to leave man in his state of helplessness. You see, God's joy is not that ah, mankind is now sinful, mankind is guilty before me. Now it is now my turn to deal with man. God's joy is not to deal with man. God's desire is not to deal with man. God's desire is to save the man he has created. God's desire is not to deal with you. God's desire is not to is not to judge you for your sins and to kill you in your sins and to send you to hell. God's desire is to save you from your sins. And as a matter of fact, that is why Calvary happened. That is why Calvary happened. Calvary happened because Jesus had to come to save you from your sins. Bible says you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He would save humanity from their sins. So God knew that the way man can come out of this mess is that man needed a savior. Man needed a redeemer, someone that would redeem man from this mess. Someone that will save us from this mess. And God doesn't just want to save you from the penalty of your sins. He also wants to save you from the power of sin at work in you. And he wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you new desires, holy passion, holy desires. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. You see, the way God, God's, God's master plan for saving you is not to tell you what to do to save yourself. No, 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 no. God doesn't want to save you by your own strength. God doesn't want to save you by your own strength. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, While we are yet without strength. So as a matter of fact, there's one point in a man's life where the man is totally helpless, totally powerless, totally miserable and vulnerable, and he cannot help himself. That's the aspect of salvation from sin. No man can save himself from his sins. No man can deliver himself from his sins. No man can set himself free from the power of sin. It says God has chosen that no man will be made right by keeping the law by observing the commandments of Moses. So observing the law doesn't save you from sin. Observing the law will not save you from sin. The purpose of the law is to make you see that you are guilty before God and to make you see that actually what you need is a savior. And only God can save you because every man is guilty before God. Therefore, no man can save another man. Only the judge can set you free. And it is God that is that judge. And it is God that became a man to save those who are at his mercies. We are the mercies, we are the mercies of God. He came to save us from death. He came to save us from the penalty of sin. He came to save us from the judgment that the law has placed upon us. 
verse 22, Romans 3, verse 22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, no matter who we are. Verse 23, For everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. How did we sin? In Adam, we all sinned. When Adam disobeyed God, you know, Adam's sin is not the sin of eating apple or eating a forbidden fruit. Adam's sin is the sin of disobedience, the sin of unbelief. Adam did not believe God's word. That was the sin of Adam. Adam disobeyed God's word. So it was a sin of disobedience, which was simply an expression of unbelieving God. Adam did not believe God. So his sin of unbelief separated him from God, made him a sinner. And he was a representative and a representation of humanity. Adam in the Garden of Eden was was representing humanity, the whole of the world. So when Adam disobeyed God, that was all humanity disobeying God. So it says everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short. We are under the power of sin. Verse 24. It says, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So what Calvary represents is freedom from the penalty of your sins. What Calvary represents is God's God in his mercy, in his grace, declaring the sinner righteous. It represents forgiveness of sins. It represents the fact that God forgave your sins. Not just because he's okay, I've chosen to forgive you. No, no, no. But because he paid for those sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. So God forgave sin by paying for sins. So Jesus, God's son, God in the flesh, paid for your sins. Paid for your sins. Romans 3 verse 25 says, People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in time past. So Jesus died. You were supposed to face death. You were supposed to face death for your sins. But Jesus took your place. Jesus took your place. This is not religious talk. This is reality. Jesus took your place. On Calvary's tree, on the cross, Jesus stood in for you. In Adam, you were condemned a sinner. But on the cross, Jesus represented a new generation of men. He was representing a generation. Adam represented humanity in Eden. In Eden, and Adam failed humanity. Adam disappointed God. Adam sinned against God. Adam went contrary to God's word. And on the cross, Jesus stood as a representation 
of a new generation of men. Men whose sins will be forgiven by his death. Men who would have a new desire, a desire to reverence God, a desire to please God, a desire to honor God in their thoughts, in their words, in their actions, by their lifestyle. A generation of men whose sins will be blotted out forever by his death and by his resurrection. He represented a generation of men who would be under the Lordship of Christ and who would have the nature of God in them. What Jesus in John chapter 3 called eternal life, the nature of God, free from the penalty of sin. Jesus took your place on the cross of Calvary. That's, that's the rhapsody of God's love. That's the expression of God's love for you. That was God reading out his love poem to humanity. Reading out his love poem to humanity. That was God declaring in plain speech how much he loves the world. The manner of love he has for the world. He had to come down to die. He was born to die. That was why he came as a man. He was born to die. And so he came and he, he, was, he was sacrificed. When we say Jesus was sacrificed, it means by virtue of his death, people will be set free from sin. So his death was not a casual death. His death was a payment for the sins of men. His death was not a casual death. His death was a payment for the sins of men. He says, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. There is no man that is born of a woman that can claim to be free from sin unless that man has identified with Christ. I want you to know that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, everyone who believes in his sacrifice, everyone who believes in Calvary, when I say Calvary, remember I said I'm not talking about Golgotha, where Jesus, the actual, the actual location where Jesus was killed. I'm talking about his sacrifice. Everyone who believes in the death of Jesus is free, is made free, is set free from the power of sin. I want you to know that man Man, every man that is not born again is a slave of sin. He cannot really help himself. He cannot really save himself. Most times he finds himself doing things that he himself is not pleased with. He finds himself practicing things that he himself is not pleased with. Things that he even know are detrimental to his health, detrimental to his peace, detrimental to his well-being. But he's just a slave. He cannot really help himself. He just has to do them. It's more like a, a, a principle at work in him. He cannot help himself. He cannot exonerate himself from it. But there is salvation by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus speaks salvation for every man. When you, in your heart, agree with God that because his son Jesus has died 
on the cross for your sins and has been raised from the dead by the power and the glory of God, by the Holy Ghost. Your sins have been forgiven and you are now identified in Him. When you agree with God in your heart and you consent with your mouth, you confess it, you would experience the salvation that Jesus gives. You would experience the salvation that Jesus gives. You would come into Christ and you would now become a member of the of the tribe of Christ, a member of the tribe of Christ, the Jesus generation, the generation of Christ, the generation of men whose sins have been forgiven completely and forever, eternal forgiveness of sins. Men whose sins have been blotted out. But the Bible says what happens that when you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, you are declared righteous. You are declared righteous because your sins have been paid for. And so because your sins have been paid for, the record has been cancelled. The record that the law had against you has been cancelled. The slate has been cleansed. The slate has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus had to pay with his life for you to be redeemed. So how do I come into this life? I know... For a lot of you, you have been hurt by sin. You have been hurt by sin. You're held down with guilt. You're held down, held down with guilt. You're, you're feeling really miserable. You're feeling miserable. You are ashamed of yourself. When you look at your conduct, you are ashamed of yourself. You practice things you're not proud of. The good news is that Jesus on the cross bore your shame. Jesus on the cross answered your name. (laughs) He answered your name. On the cross of Calvary, there was a roll call. Jesus stood in for every man. So when it was your turn, (laughs) when justice raised his voice and demanded what about this person he ought to be condemned to hell forever he ought to pay with his own blood he ought to be separated from god forever and suffer for his sins jesus declared here i am i am on this cross because of him i am on this cross because of her I am hanging on this cross not because men tied me up here, but because in my love, in my grace, I chose to die for him. I chose to die for her. On the cross, there was a roll call. Jesus answered for every man. Jesus answered for every man. Jesus answered for you. And I want you to know that there is no sin that you've committed that is too great, that is too massive, that Jesus has not paid for. Jesus has paid for all of your sins. Jesus has paid for all of your sins. Now, your response should not be to blame any man. 
your response should not be to blame any man say ah i'm i'm into this particular habit because of this person or because of that person this person lured me into it you see that blame game would not exonerate you from the judgment for sin blaming some other person ah he introduced me to this particular habit he introduced me to molest to 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 masturbation he molested me and since then i've been a slave to sexual sins he taught me how to smoke he taught me how to do this those blames are actually fact factual they might be right and for some persons they are actually right but you see for how long would you want to go on blaming some other person for how long would you want to go on blaming yourself for how long would you want to go on blaming yourself blaming some other person it is time to arise from the bed of sorrow it is time says the spirit of god to arise from the bed of pity and the bed of shame for some of you for some persons listening to me you're already covered and overwhelmed with shame you're already so ashamed of yourself because of what you've done but jesus is telling you look i have actually carried that shame jesus experienced shame for you that you might be glorified in him he experienced shame for you that you might be glorified in him your response now would be and should be to say to the lord lord jesus i recognize that you are my savior I recognize that you have died and you have been raised from the dead. And because you have been raised from the dead, my sins have been forgiven by God. I am now one unto whom God's grace and mercy has been made available, and I want to obtain this mercy by faith. Your response would be and should be to place your faith in Jesus for your salvation. to place your faith and when you do that you will be saved what it means is that you would receive the life of god the life of god separates you from the sin nature the life of god separates you from all the terrible experiences you've had as a result of the sin nature the life of god brings light to your life as it stands now your life is full with darkness but god's life brings light it lightens you up with the life that God gives you receive the life of Jesus your sins will be forgiven you would be able to you know you would have boldness before God you would have boldness sin has made man inferior to God but when you receive the life of Jesus you would become a son of God you will be born of God you would receive the spirit of God as a mark and as a proof that you are a son of God. Why not choose to believe in the Lord Jesus today? Why not choose to place your faith? This simply means to rely on his death and his resurrection for your salvation. If you're ready say this word after me. Say Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for saving me. I recognize and I accept you as my savior. I receive your life today. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and you were raised up for my justification. I accept you as my Lord. And I receive you into my spirit eternal life. 
Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thank you. If you just pray that prayer, you're now born again. I want you to write to us, telling us how you've been saved by this podcast. I want you to write to us. Send a mail to evangelraphael at gmail.com. Raphael Pet R-A-P-H-A-E-L. Evangelraphael at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on WhatsApp at plus 234-81267-48843. Plus 234-81267-48843. I want to pray for you. You that has been experiencing hurt and you are in deep pains. Right now I bring the presence of Jesus to your life. And I speak to you, be healed of that pain. That pain in your emotions. You've been hurt by men so bitterly that you've sworn never to forgive. And the scars are evergreen. But right now I want you to know that Jesus on the cross bore your pains. I want you to release those pains to Jesus right now. I want you to know that he bore your pains on the cross of Calvary. He bore your pains. And he understands how bad it happened and how bad, badly hurt you feel. He understands. I want you to release those pains. They are like load. He says, cast them upon me. Cast them upon me. I want you to close your eyes now and raise your hands up and say, Lord, I release this load to you. Carry it. Take it off from me. And I receive your peace. Yes, the peace of God comes upon your life now. The peace of God comes upon your life now. God is setting you free from that pain and that hurt. God is healing that scar completely. God is healing that scar. Your body that has been plagued by sickness and infirmities, right now the power of God is setting you free from it. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast and do well to share it with as many as you can. God bless you.